Welcome to another episode of ERA Talks. I'm Erin Collins, the Director of Events for ERA. In this episode, which will be hosted by ERA's CEO, Walter Tobin, we will explore why the current economic climate provides manufacturers the ideal opportunity to consider going to market with manufacturers' reps, both from a financial and sales growth perspective. This is the subject of an ERA white paper and soon-to-be-published article titled, The Solution to Cost-Effective Sales Coverage is Hiding in Plain Sight, which is co-authored by our guest speakers today, Cameron English, President at English Technical Sales, a rep firm located in the Southwest and current Vice President of Industry, serving on the ERA Executive Committee, and Cesar Giamarco, an expert ERA consultant who, in his 35 years in the industry, has instituted and managed rep organizations globally. Caesar has authored several white papers and participated in various podcasts advocating for the sales rep model. We appreciate them both joining us. With that, Walter, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you very much, Erin. I want to also thank both Caesar and Cam for taking the time to be on this podcast. They're experiencing both managing rep networks for major manufacturers and in running a second generation rep company, give them great credibility and insight into this topic. So let me start with you, Caesar. Um, manufacturers reps have been a part of the go-to market strategy of companies in all industries for decades. How is today's economic climate reinforcing the financial benefits to manufacturers? All right. Thank you, Walter, for the question. And, and let's stop by looking at today's economic environment. We've all been around and we've all seen the global economy have cyclical disruptions, things like inflation, interest rate hikes, geopolitical events, supply chain constraints, the allocations. Now we have the pandemic, which added to that whole equation as it relates to the disruption of the economy. Historically, when this type of thing happened, uh, companies would pull in their reins. They would begin to adjust their business to uh, support this decline in the, in the market. And normally that turned into unemployment. But what's happening now, and it's really unprecedented, according to the U.S. government statistics, there are 11 million job openings right now. And terms in our vernacular, which were never there before, like the great resignation and quietly quitting, Really, what we're talking about is high employee turnover. So many companies are out there not only trying to find people, but they're trying to fill positions that have been vacated by existing employees and try and take advantage of a post-pandemic growth. So why does this benefit uh, the rep model from a financial perspective? When you look at the rep model, the commission-based variable cost nature of the model itself, as uh, allows manufacturers, particularly on the financial side, to buffer inflationary direct employee costs, which continue to go up, and also predict and manage sales costs, which has always been a challenge. And I step back again and look at the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, and of the 11 million job openings, there are approximately 400,000 open positions for field sales personnel in the business-to-business -business segment alone. And if you look at the fully loaded with benefits and everything cost of a direct salesperson in many industries, that's about $200,000 a year. And then you start adding recruiting and training, 
uh, onboarding, and, and that could add another 40%. And all these costs are continuing to rise. And when you consider turnover, the great resignation that I mentioned before, it gets even more costly. Depending on the direct salesperson's experience, it could take three to six months for that person to become truly productive. And then if they decide to leave for another job within 12 to 18 months, that manufacturer is not getting the ROI on that personnel investment. And then the recruiting process begins all over again. So now if you compare that to a territory tenured manufacturing rep who's working on a variable cost commission basis, uh, the, the, the numbers definitely make a lot more sense from a rep perspective. And then there's another area of significant cost benefit, which is often overlooked of the rep sales model. And that comes into play when you consider the manufacturer's sales cycles. So many markets, let's say medical and aerospace, just to name a couple, sales opportunities have a long development cycle, in many cases, years before revenue is achieved. So with a direct sales model, the cost of sales is front end loaded. With a rep model, no revenue, uh, no commission is, is get paid until the revenue is achieved. So the, the manufacturer who has direct sales model could take the money that's front end loaded, that's applied to his cost of sales, and apply that to other areas of the business, which could be much more beneficial to the entire business. When again, as I said earlier, with a long sales cycles opportunity, truly the rep is covering the, the development costs because he's not getting paid until the revenue is achieved. So those two benefits, I believe, are significant as it relates to the consideration of the rep model. Caesar, that was great. Thank you so much. Uh, Cam, you know, Caesar just gave us a, a very nice summary of some of the significant financial benefits of the rep model. You know, from a rep's point of view, what would be some other financial benefits for using manufacturers' reps? Sure, yeah, thanks, Walt. I, I would add to Caesar's comments that uh, there's a couple practical considerations. Um, our company has been headquartered out of Southern California for uh, many years, so I'll use that as an example. Consider the uh, territories that have multiple states, and if you look at Southern California, it's a very large state. For example, we look at Southern California as, as consisting of four major geographic regions. You've got the San Diego, Orange County, Los Angeles, and San Fernando Valley. The thing about Southern California that is significant for our OEM manufacturers is that it's a, it's a very, very large total available market. Uh, some estimates 20% of passive electromechanical and semiconductor content uh, flows through Southern California. So if you're, if you're going to look at a practical challenge that multiple state territories and Southern California specifically um, uh, requires, you're going to have to figure out how to cover the territory. Now, COVID's behind us and we're getting back to business. We're, we're, we're reconnecting with customers face-to-face. -face. Uh, very strategic significant meetings happen when you're in the customer and working with the customer directly. So I estimate that in the example of Southern California, you're going to need four salespeople. And if you do the math on that, then uh, the cost of staffing and covering that territory is significant. Uh, 
we sometimes laugh because a supplier will come to us and say, I want to be in San Diego for this call. And then I want to go up to this meeting at the distributor branch in Orange County. Then I want to get up to uh, uh, Camarillo for a customer visit. And we say, well, you're going to need three days. <laughs> so uh, it's a very practical, tactical issue. And uh, you have to keep in mind some of the logistics. So I always uh, quote the statistic that the 101 and 405 exchange has over 500,000 cars transition through there every day. So the bottom line is, if you're going to have to staff <clears throat> Southern California with four salespeople, then a manufacturer's rep is a great option because we have those people there and, and they're uh, plugged in. They live in their territories. They're ready to go. You could see a spend to cover that type of a geography of four salespeople of over $1 million. Now, as your rep, we can do it for a much more effective price. Boy, Cam, that was great. Thank you for making it really uh, real, uh, real world, if you will, um, in some of the the, uh, the dollars and cents. So, Caesar, uh, you know, we just discussed some of the financial benefits that a manufacturer can realize from the rep model. You know, I wonder if you could talk about how the rep model can facilitate sales growth for its principles. You know, how are reps positioned to achieve sales growth? Certainly, Walter. It's interesting because the growth element of it is the most visible. Right? All of the organizations are thinking, you know, what, what what's my sales growth going to look like? How can I meet my business plan? How can I drive demand and demand creation? The financial piece tends to get uh, kind of overlooked uh, in many cases, but the growth piece is very visible. So how can a rep achieve and drive growth? You have to start by looking at a rep organization structure, today's manufacturing reps. Again, there's a lot of uh, misconceptions based on traditional understanding of what a manufacturer's rep is. But essentially, what a rep is now is they're strategically aligned with the customer's needs. And the customer needs experience, available, technical solution providers. They need uh, a support mechanism that enables them to grow their business. And rep firms are significantly positioned to do that. They have tenure in the territory, both as an organization and from an employee retention standpoint. Uh, the customers are dealing with the same individuals on a regular basis for an extended period of time. And that enables the rep to become a trusted advisor for that customer. So they're well established in the territory. They have long-term relationship with key accounts. They have a suite of complementary products and technology on their line cards, and that gives the customer a repository of all the technologies that they truly need to support their business. Uh, the reps are invested in the most updated technologies. Any, any modern rep firm, when you look at them today, you're going to find the remote selling tools. They use data analytics. They have digital marketing capabilities, lead follow-up, everything in place to drive growth for their principles. They have inside sales, customer support staffs as well. So again, the customer has a local response opportunity to capitalize and, and work with them on any issue or development that they have. So the customer's needs or wants have to be served either virtually or in person. And the rep can provide that service expeditionally and, and essentially 
that enables them to drive growth for their suppliers and principals. Well, thanks, Cesar. So, Cam, as a second-generation rep association, we'd love to get your perspective. You know, uh, how does a rep organization leverage its strategic position in the territory into growth for the manufacturers it represents? You know, when you when you talk about strategic position, a single word comes to mind. That's access. Uh, through what we learned through COVID was that having a connection with the key influencers and the key decision makers and the key designers at the companies that we work with, access became the uh, the absolute uh, most important uh, aspect to productivity. So. Uh, when we look at uh, the territory and we talk about a local rep, what we bring to the customer is value proposition from having multiple solutions, multiple uh, technologies. And and that uh, is something that is really resonating right now because these customers have struggled to maintain their resources and uh, finding people and basically people that work for these manufacturers are uh, the OEMs that are designing new programs are having to do more with less people. So th- this this access basically is um, affording reps a uh, an ability to get into those customers. And I, I really think it comes down to a very critical aspect of we're going to have the first look at new developing programs. So reps can provide their principles active and ongoing market information because they're seeing the pacing leading technologies, which are absolutely critical to the future success of any supplier. Now I could go on, but uh, really the key attributes that support the manufacturer's rep model is to be in a great position to drive the future growth for the manufacturers they represent. Boy, thanks, Cam. That was, that was brilliant. So Caesar, uh, you know, you've managed reps uh, for both large and small manufacturers, you know, what do you think some of the misconceptions that manufacturers have about the rep model and how would you respond to those misconceptions? Walter, that's a great question. You know, in my experience, I've worked for multiple business leaders. Some understood the rep model, others didn't, but even within those organizations, there were individuals that really didn't understand uh, the rep model. And there's really two questions that always seem to rise to the top with Uh, every sales leader or manager I've worked for that doesn't have experience with reps. The first question is, well, how do we control sales activity? And how do I ensure that the rep will advocate our products when they are a multi-line selling organization by nature? So let me take that control question first. And, And really, control is, I don't think, the right word. I think the control, the control word should be replaced by the word influence. And yes, a manufacturer has significant amount of influence with its assigned reps. Common belief is the influence is strictly the commission paid. And and no doubt about it, the commission is the lifeblood of every manufacturer's rep organization. But the influence a manufacturer has with its rep goes well beyond just that perspective. Once a rep agrees to carry a specific manufacturer, It means that that rep's portfolio of products is optimized for the markets and customers in the territory. So if you think of the rep's line card as a jigsaw puzzle and each piece fits perfectly to form a complete picture, you remove one of those pieces 
and the picture suddenly is incomplete, and that rep is less valuable to his customers, translating into lost business and opportunity. So this reinforces the importance and influence a key manufacturer has with its reps. So you as a manufacturer, when the rep looks at, at your company, he sees it as something that holistically enables him to be successful. That's the level of influence that you have with, with your rep uh, if you're a manufacturer that's providing them a critical product line. And this, this also applies to advocacy because reps need to sell all their lines to all their customers whenever possible. So on every sales call, regardless of which manufacturer is the primary discussion point, the rep will always look for opportunities to sell the other lines. The suite of products is the key benefit of the rep model to the customer. And this is reinforced at every opportunity. So in essence, the complementary nature of the rep's line is the key to the advocacy for all lines. Boy, that was, that was uh, again, great, Caesar. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, I want to thank, we could go on and on for hours on this topic, uh, but I want to, you know, really thank you both for your insights on this very, very important topic. Uh, you know, to wrap it up, I'd like to ask both of you for any final comments that you'd like to leave with our audience. Uh, Cam, let's start with you, and then we'll go right into Caesar. Cam? Sure. I'd like to speak to that executive, that vice president of sales or marketing, who's analyzing their strategy for the sales coverage model. And you're, you're looking at the territory, and it, and it could very well be that you're building a new or expanding sales team in a territory, and you're faced with how to budget that, what kind of resources you have, what's your spend going to be. Um, and I think you really would do well to consider uh, a manufacturer's rep. Alternatively, if you have a substantial current revenue stream, or if your organization's products or technology serves multiple markets in a, in a real broad geography and, and, and a very wide and deep customer base, uh, the manufacturer's rep model is gonna be very effective at being able to cover a, a large diversity of technologies and markets and vertical segments. So, a limited direct sales team is going to be challenged to really get out there and locate and address the multiple uh, outsource complexity, the design companies that are popping up all the time and, uh, and their connections to the contract manufacturers. Reps have such tenure in their territories, they know where those connections are. And um, finally, I'd say that the complementary lines and the, the long-term knowledge, the long-term relationships that my salespeople, for example, have with their customers, it gives us access. Access is key. And um, we, we have those resources and we have the information from a knowledge base and that's our intellectual property. We bring that to the principals and the suppliers that we represent. And this translates into one critical thing, uh, developing major opportunities. You know, every month we bring our team together to analyze our productivity. And you know what we base our productivity on? It's major new opportunities. So, so that's our goal. That's our role. That's our, our, our chief aim on behalf of our suppliers is to develop new business opportunity on your behalf. Thank you, Cam. Cesar? Walter, as organizations review, they go to market strategy for 2023 and beyond. The financial benefits of the rep model, think about the cost of sales, think about the cost of, of retention, and replacement of employees 
and the lowest return on investment that that can create. And think about the growth benefits of the manufacturer's rep model. Uh, it truly provides a compelling argument for consideration. It's a way for a manufacturer to invest in selling resources without the fixed cost burden and limited flexibility of a direct sales model. You lose a person, there's a gap in coverage, there's a gap in uh, your opportunity to grow your business and support your customers. That gap is completely eliminated with the rep sales model. Uh, what Cam mentioned before, customers are all doing more with less resources. The manufacturer's rep provides the customer with multiple solutions, local engagement, and support in an expedient manner, making that customer more productive. And at the end of the day, that's what the customer values. They recognize and appreciate that support. Manufacturers want to have the opportunity to optimize customer engagement and, and obviously grow revenue through a sales organization in the most cost-effective manner. Manufacturers reps meet that, that objective. There are over 400,000 manufacturing rep organizations in the United States with over 1.5 million sales personnel right now. They're positioned and ready to make this happen for any manufacturer that's open-minded to consider this model uh, in support of their sales activity. So they're hiding in plain sight, Caesar. Is that what Absolutely. you're saying? Absolutely. <laughs> well, well said. Listen, I we could go on and on. Uh, it's a fantastic, uh, fascinating topic, and we've got two industry experts on it. I really want to thank both of you. Just some tremendous insights. Uh, again, uh, well done. Thank you very much to both Caesar and Cam. Let me turn it back over to Aaron Collins for our wrap-up. All right. Thank you, Walter for leading the conversation and many thanks to you, Caesar and Cam. We appreciate your taking the time to share your insights with our audience. For those who are listening, if you are interested in reading the white paper, that is accessible on our website at era.org under the publications tab located on the homepage. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon.